To the Mary Mac Show, where we will be talking about your feelings, experiences, and pain following the death of a loved one. My friends, my warriors, this is Mary Mack from the Mary Mack Show. I have the great privilege to be with April Babcock today, and we are doing a series called Death by Fentanyl, this podcast series on my show, specifically to give voice to all the people who have died by fentanyl poisoning. And it's their relatives, their parents who are surviving them, bereaved parents who buried their children, and no parent should be doing that. So today, I am grateful that April has agreed to be with us. She has an amazing organization that she's built, both as a Facebook group and as an online website, and it's called Lost Voices of Fentanyl. It's L-O, excuse me, L-V-O-F dot org. And you can also look it up on Facebook, Lost Voices of Fentanyl. She lives in Maryland. Her son, Austin, was 25 years old when he died on January 26, 2019. And I am grateful, April, that you are here today. And we're going to talk about um, Austin, his growing up years, your grief, and especially your advocacy. Because on April, excuse me, on September 23rd, is it? The 23rd. 23rd. It's a Saturday. And she's having her third rally in Washington, D.C., with bereaved parents and relatives from all across the country who are going to be in D.C to show the faces of all the people who have died by fentanyl. And I think that's remarkable. It takes a lot of organization to do something like this. They will be meeting on the, um, the lawn of the Washington Monument, and they'll have many speakers from 10 a.m. until 3. And from there, they're going to march over in front of the White House from 3 to 5, or is it 5.30? Three to five, we line up to march at three and probably take 20 minutes to march. So I want everyone to be aware of this rally. If fentanyl has touched your life, it has killed someone in your family. Please consider being down in DC that weekend because 
you'll be um, so fortunate to meet other families who are also going through the same pain as you are. So April, thank you very much for being here today and for sharing your story with us about Austin. Thank you for having me on, Mary. Very grateful that you're here and happy to be doing this with you. Absolutely. And behind you are beautiful portraits of your son in the shape of a heart. And I love it. I just love it. It's Thank so you. It's my great. It's my war room. I have Austin all over this war room and many other angels. Absolutely. But you can't see, but they're all around me. <laughs> and how many people are on your Facebook group at this point? We are almost at 29,000 members. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, we are a public group. You don't have to, anybody can join the group. Obviously we vet everybody, but you don't have to have, you didn't have to lose someone to fentanyl. You know, we're there okay. to educate. Uh, one of the reasons why I made the group public from the get-go is because before I created my group. I was in some Facebook groups and the only way to be a member is to have a dead kid. So, you know, I'm just thinking how in the world is the general public going to understand this crisis if we're all in these closed groups and the only way to be a member of that group is to have a dead kid. Now, I wanted my group to be different. I wanted people to see what was going on in America and hopefully be fair warned so they can educate their kids or they can catch warning signs because a lot of people just don't realize. It's, but And that's what we're fighting for. Yeah. It's that I more mean, people will understand the magnitude of this. I mean, I do it in memory of my son, but honestly, I'm fighting for the living. My son's dead. I can't bring him back. But... I can fight for your child to hopefully continue to live because in this day and age, it just takes one experiment and you can die. And it never was like that before. The drug crisis has definitely changed before fentanyl. You had umpteen chances of recovery. And now with fentanyl and the drug supply, you don't have umpteen chances anymore. It could be your first time and you die. So it's not limited to the substance use disorder community any longer. It's an everybody issue. We have babies dying. Babies don't suffer with a substance use disorder. So how are babies dying? Yes. We all know because people misuse drugs and they leave things laying around. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, babysitters. I mean, there was that article of that one toddler that died. Three, two 13-year-old girls were babysitting a toddler. Imagine dropping your kid off to the teenager, teenage girl down the street that you've known her whole life. And you think it's okay she babysits your baby. But now you just don't know. And these kids, this is a pill-popping generation. Yes. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not condoning drug use, but face reality. Kids try drugs. And the in thing right now, unfortunately, is pills. And all the pills, unless it's prescribed by your doctor, you might as well assume they are all fake. And these young kids just don't know they're fake. Adderall. Elementary school children get prescribed Adderall. 
So when you're buying an Adderall, they think it's no big deal. Yes. Or a, a Xanax. How, how, I Googled this once. I need to Google it again. But it, it, it's an astronomical amount of people that are prescribed Xanax. Yes. Or Paxil, anxiety medication. Well, the Xanax is fake. A Xanax has never killed anyone before. Right. Neither has an Adderall or a Percocet. They are now because they're fake. And you can't tell fake from real. So you have to assume all pills on the market are fake. If you're buying them on social media, Snapchat, or any other social media platform, or just your friend. You can't trust your friend saying, oh, look at what I... Stole out of my mom's medicine cabinet. Yeah. Because friends lie to you. Let's get real. Kids are young and they're naive and they just don't think like an adult brain thinks. And they think it's no big deal. They might buy them from God knows where. And then they're handing them out to their friends and people are dying. Parents are burying their 12, 13, 14, 15 year old children. This is not normal. But yet I see it every day in my group. It's like only I... I Am I numb to this? No, I'm not numb. I'm pissed off. And and I always say, I think I'm just going to stay pissed off forever. I'm going to stay pissed off until I see the death toll go way, way down. That's when I won't be as pissed off anymore. But I'm pissed every day of my life because, I, I mean, obviously, I'm always going to be upset my son is gone. But, you know, I have dealt with my grief. I believe in God. I believe in heaven. I believe I'm going to see my son again one day. So I'm almost like, I'm okay with that. What makes me not okay is how it continues. And then I know there's going to be three to 400 more moms today crying, just like I was almost five years ago. I'll never forget them screams. I don't want any other person to experience this and it can be stopped. They can do a way better job and it's they're not doing anything like where is the PSAs from our federal government? There is none. You know who the PSAs who does it? We do it. Yes, Agree we do it. Us. Yes. We're the ones doing it. And that's not our job. You know, we can't even grieve our children. I, I, I meet some of these mothers. Their kids die. And a month later, they're ha having an event. It, it boggles my mind. But God bless them because they just, it's horrific. They want to warn people and good God, let us grieve. We can't even do that. Really. We're too busy warning the public. Yes. And that shouldn't be your job. It's not our job, but you know, we make it our job because they're completely failing us. You know, we want a COVID like response to fentanyl. We want a ticker up there. Yep. They had a ticker up there for COVID. Why can't they do that for fentanyl? Especially it's the leading cause of death in people 18 to 45. And then statistics are going to change and it's going to go lower. I mean, under 14 is a big explosion right now in the deaths. These kids dying. This is, this should not be normal. I always say it's never going to be my new normal because there's nothing normal about child loss. It's not normal, but it's just like looking in my group every day. It's, I don't know how I do it every day. I've almost, it, it, it's just, I want to cry. The one thing I want to do for these families is the one thing I'll never be able to do. And that's to put 
their child back in their arms. And I'll never be able to do that. So all I can do is use my voice, call out the corruption, because that's what it is. It's a corrupt system. You know, we should have never had heroin flowing into our country. We don't have poppy fields here in America. Right. Why has that been allowed? Coming through our southern border. Same with cocaine. We don't have cocoa trees here in America. There's a reason why these drugs are in our country. But now it's even worse than ever because fentanyl is instant death. Like I said when I started. This is not limited to the substance use disorder community any longer. This affects everyone. Good God, we're burying babies. Like literally toddlers. There's a mom speaking at my rally this year from Kentucky. She buried her three-year-old little boy. How is this okay? How is our government okay with this? They're failing us. They're the ones failing us. They can do better. They can do more. And they're not. You know, I encourage people in my group because really we're at the mercy of the politicians. Write them letters. Call, write anybody, anybody and everybody. Write letters, 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 letters. Flood them with letters. Let them know how you feel. You don't have drug-induced homicide law in your state? Write about that. You want the southern, You want them to address the southern border? Write about that. You know, all the attorney generals, I wrote every single attorney general. I didn't realize how many there were. It was insane. I had a stack of letters. <laughs> like, it was crazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's, it's like debilitating. Like a lot of people, it just to pick up that pen and write a letter because you're writing it because your kid's dead. So I think like these politicians, they, they just want us to give up and go away. Well, you know, I, that's I, a very good on, point. I, I think that's what they count on, especially, mm -hmm. you know, these detectives. Um, and a lot of these moms are fighting with the detectives and it's the state's attorneys. I, I think we all need to be bombarding the state's attorneys. Why are they not picking up these cases? They won't take the case unless they got an airtight case. You know, if if someone sh if my son died, if someone went up and put a gun to his head and that's how he died. They would have found who they needed to find the next day. Right. Okay. Because it was how my son died. And that the state's attorney that I saw what the detectives did. I had to fill out a file report to get that information. But, you know, I finally found out all they did, even though the case was closed. But it was the state's attorney don't want to take these cases. Yep. It's just a joke. So, you know. Us parents are going to be the ones to make the change. And the change comes by pressuring politicians. And that's why we go in front of the White House. We go in front of the White House. Huh. We know Joe Biden ain't going to be in that White House on Saturday. <laughs> Is he ever there on Saturday? I know. know I thought that too. That's not why we go in front of the White House. We go in front of the White House for media coverage and for shame. Shame, shame, shaming them. We don't want to do that. I don't want to go in front of the White House, but I'll go. If he gets reelected, we'll go back. If he don't get reelected, I don't care if Trump wins. Guess what? If he ain't doing what we want, us grieving families, if he don't do what we're fighting for, we want the cartels, a foreign terrorist organization. We want a list of fentanyl and its analogs on a weapon of mass destruction list. 
We want that border secure. And if Trump don't do it, if Biden don't do it, or whoever gets elected in that White House, we will go every year in front of that White House until we see the real change. And the real change, we'll know when the real change is. It's when the death toll drops, like significantly drops. Yes. This is out of control. And the stats, 110 last year. We know that's a low ball number. 110,000, yes. That's a low ball number. Of course. When, when every county and every state isn't testing on the tox reports for fentanyl, and they think that's not a big deal, well, if their kid died, they're going to want to know what was in that tox screen. How do we know if fentanyl was in it and if they're not testing for fentanyl? And every place is not testing for fentanyl. That should be mandatory across the country. I don't know why it's not to get anything done in government. It's like, I don't understand. Like, are they for the people? I don't think so. Because I see the numbers. That's not normal at all. It's sickening. It's disgusting. It's a national security crisis. And we deserve a ticker. We deserve the people to know what's going on. I mean, it's like a jet airliner. Every day falling from the sky and crashing. Yes. Come on. That yes. would be all over the news on every station for days. Well, that's how many people are dying every day for, from fentanyl. And it's crickets. It's sickening. Sorry, I can go on a rant sometimes. <laughs> no, I understand. And I, I'm, I completely support it. I I'm I sad. understand I understand how difficult it is to know that politicians totally know what's going on and yet they will not try to help it. And as you mentioned before we spoke, all the different people who you know a law will try to be passed or come up for a vote and there are people who just they will not vote for it. And you're sitting and around going, uh, do you not see the, I mean, this is such, it's such a major issue and you're not going to vote to have a bill passed so that it's considered a murder. And the sad, the sad fact is, and this may offend some people, but if they're angry with me, they're really angry at the wrong person. Blame the Democrats and the Republicans. They make it political. Not me, but all the families that I talk to and myself. I have my own experience here in Annapolis, Maryland. It's always every time the Democrats that don't vote these bills through. Every single time. Ask the families that are testifying on these bills why they don't get passed. Now, there are bipartisan bills that have been passed, Democrats and Republicans, but all the ones sitting dead in the water, <laughs> you best believe it's a Democrat or several that won't vote it through. And I don't understand that because guess what? They're losing their constituents. Everybody, it's not a red or blue issue. It's a red, white, and blue issue. And they make it political and it just is absurd. Yes, it's it's sad. It's really sad. But, you know, that's why I tell people 
pressure, pressure, pressure the politicians, because at the end of the day, we're at their mercy. I and mean, sometimes I really you have... wonder, you wonder, like, what are they thinking? Why aren't they trying to make this better? Why aren't they trying to pass laws that are going to make this better? But they, I, I just it's corruption. It's just flat out corruption. I mean, I don't know how, how else to explain it. Follow the money. <laughs> I mean, this is like sad. It's really sad. I mean, I think in the beginning, heroin users, they were the first ones preyed upon and no one gave a crap because they were those people. That's how they looked at them. Right. Okay. Right. But, and that's really sad and disgusting. But if they would have looked at those people, heroin users that were dropping like flies, if they would have focused on that and why they were dying in masses was the fentanyl now, and it wasn't heroin any longer. If they would have cared, we wouldn't be burying babies and teenagers now, but they didn't care. And that's really sad. And truth of the matter is, I, I, I no one was talking about this when Trump was president. No, no, no politicians were, barely any. You know, they all make it political, the left and the right. Because then Joe Biden comes in, he opens up the borders, which I think is a total nightmare. Now the cartels have operational control of that border. And if you think they don't, I don't know where you're living. <laughs> you know, get your head out of the sand. The cartels have operational control of the southern border. And, you know, the Republicans weren't talking about it when Trump was president. But as soon as Joe Biden got into office, now here all they are. And I'm grateful and I'm glad they're finally talking about it. But you see what I'm saying, how they make yes. it political. They yep. should have been screaming this stuff when Trump was in office. Right. And they weren't. Now, like I said, I'm glad they are now, but it's not enough. We need the majority of the Democrats and the majority of the Republicans on the same page before we're going to tip any scales, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just going to watch. I'm, I'm going to continue every day to talk to another mother that's crying and trying to console her when really there's nothing I can say because I can't bring her kid back. And it's sad. I mean, I spend a lot of time even though I'm not a grief group, we're an action awareness group, but a big part of what we do do, of course, I support people in their grief. I talk to moms every day, all day on the phone. Like, that's what I do. Like, if I'm not doing, you know, when I get home from work, it's all about the group. It's all about the members in the group. I'm always connecting. I'm always interacting. And I, I want to support everybody. It's like impossible to keep up any longer. Oh, I can so appreciate many, that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's There's so many people and it just, I'm just sad. I'm just really sad. Because I just, since we've been talking, how many people did we lose? That's not normal. I don't know what to do. So I use my voice and try to raise awareness. I don't know what else to do. 
Well, you're doing a remarkable job at it. I'm trying. I give the credit to God. Like, it's not me. It's the big guy because I pray about everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but God does. If there's a door that needs to be open, he does it. Yes. So I just try to be a voice, you know, and I, we're fighting for everybody in Lost Voice of Fentanyl. We're fighting for those that were seeking out fentanyl because a lot of people are seeking out fentanyl. They matter just the same as the three-year-old little boy that just died. Every life is precious. And the majority of people that are seeking out fentanyl, they were deceived into fentanyl dependency. And that's why all the pills are fake. All drugs are laced. Because once they, for everybody that's not dying, snorting a line of cocaine with fentanyl, for everyone that doesn't die, guess what? Within three hours, they're feeling that withdrawal and they're going back for more. It's so addictive. And, and once you're dependent on it, it's like almost too late. It is so hard. You know, I don't know what it's like to come off of that. I can only imagine, but I've heard the stories. Like they say it hurts in their teeth. Wow. Every bone. Like I cannot imagine that withdrawal from that. I mean... And that's why they do it. It's cheap and it's highly addictive. They want everybody hooked. We got teenagers walking around hooked on fentanyl and they have no clue they're even hooked on it. They just don't know. Sad. And why are we letting the cartels kill us? But why is our government allowing the Mexican cartels and China to get away with making these precursors. Why? Well, I have my theory is, is that China wants to make sure that um, all our military age children are dead. I've been saying that. We're, we're If going at this rate, say in another 10 years, going right. at this rate, are we going to have a military? We won't be able to. There'll be nobody left. I, I'm going to turn around and no one's going to be there. Like what? This isn't normal. Like, so uh, the warnings are the most important thing. We, as anybody, parents that have lost loved ones or anybody, like if you have children, warn your friends. If you're hearing my podcast, because all it takes is one time. You can never say not my child. Cause a lot of these parents said that. And guess what? Then they had a funeral. Right. And they had no idea what the hell fentanyl was until they're reading their kids' toxicology report. And they're going, what is fentanyl? These parents, a lot of them, were not warned. They had no idea. So the more awareness we get out there, you know, there's going to be that one teenager that's going to remember and be like, I'm not going to do that. Right. But the sad thing is, you know, there's still them teenagers with all the warnings we do. They think they're invincible. And there's still going to be them teenagers that will still experiment Absolutely. knowing the warnings. So this is why we have to stop fentanyl. We have to get it out the drug supply. People should learn from their mistakes and not die from it. Die from them. Teenagers are dropping like flies. That's that cannot happen in America. How is this happening? I say that the, um, the era or the time of uh, experimental drug use is over. 
but it is over. You know, I stressed abstinence. Abstinence is the one sure shot you got at survival. Like you're not right. going to die if you don't try drugs. Right. But if you try drugs, there's a good chance you're going to die. And you can never trust your friend. You can never trust your dealer. My son's best friend died 18 months after him oh. from a Xanax. And his mother found out and she confronted him because she found out he was taking Xanax. And you know what he told her? My guy will never do that to me. And he's dead. Oh, God. You cannot trust your dealers. You can't trust anything. Like and, and, and the worst dealers. and the worst part about it is is that they're believing in people who they always thought were their friends or you know were their dealers for a while and now they're not realizing that they're going to be introduced to you know these deadly drugs and and by the time a street a street level dealer gets it, it's been stepped on how many times? Yep. They don't half of them don't even know what they're selling. Nope. Nope. So you can't trust anything. So abstinence is what we promote. Don't do drugs, like literally, because now you just die. Yeah. Like you can't possibly friend, know. You can't yeah. possibly no and even when we talk about you know maybe testing it well you can't test it because you have no idea if that part of the pill that you tested will you know be clean but another part of the pill that you didn't test is full of fentanyl the only way to test your drug 100 is dissolve all of it in water so i don't promote fentanyl testing strips and First of all, I don't want to encourage, especially our youth, to use drugs. Hey, if you test it with this, then you're good. Right. I don't want to encourage youth to do drugs. So I want to encourage them to not try drugs because if you do in this day and age, you have a good shot of dying. Right. Um, but the so if you have fentanyl testing strips and the only way to test the drug 100% is dissolve it all in water, well, then how do you use it? Yeah, exactly. They're going to turn a lot of people that didn't put a needle in their arm to putting a needle in their arm. I think it's creating more IV drug users is what I think it's creating because no one's going to drink it. Who's going to do that? Right. But they'll shoot it. They'll probably go to shooting it. Once it's all in water, how else are you getting it in your body? Right. And no one snorting cocaine is going to go dump all their cocaine in water. No. No one ever. <laughs> So, and the people seeking fentanyl, they don't care because that's what they're seeking. They already know fentanyl's in it. So who are fentanyl testing strips for? Who are they for? I don't understand. Yeah. Pill users. So now pill users are going to, I guess, have to stick a needle in their arm. Is that what we want to encourage people to do? Not at all. I don't know anybody and I've walked the streets of Kensington and I know people in recovery here in Baltimore and I don't know anybody who uses them. And I'm sure as hell never going to hand them out to teenagers and say, test your drugs with this. That's like telling teenagers it's okay to use drugs if you test them. Yes. Yes. 
And then to test them properly, like I just stated. So how are these kids going to, I don't know. It's just, it's not, I lost voice to fentanyl. We focus on supply. We don't focus on the demand. You know, there's plenty of groups that focus on demand and we need plenty of people focusing on that. But Lost Voices of Fentanyl, we focus on supply. And some people hate me for that. I don't understand why. <laughs> but all I can say is my child's dead from fentanyl. He suffered with a substance use disorder. He died from fentanyl and his drug of choice. And if fentanyl wasn't in that drug, my son wouldn't have died. I prayed to God what to do with my grief. He put on my heart what to do with my grief. And I choose to fight supply. So that's what we focus on at Lost Voices of Fentanyl. This is the supply side. You're doing an amazing job, April. You know, I have a good group of people. Um, I have lots of support. I partnered up with Virginia Krieger last January. She started Parents Against Illicit Narcotics, Pain. Um, but we teamed up. Now she's a co-president of Lost Voice of Fentanyl. I think she's amazing. I love her. And then Laura Woody, she's another admin for my group and all my moderators. I just love these moms i you know you know everybody's out there there's i i tell people there's nothing is too small and when you're when you lose a child you got to find a way to give back because honestly it could say it will save your life it can save your life yeah if you just sit and cry sit and cry i could choose to sit and cry I have to find a way to get back. And I tell people, because, you know, personalities are different. There are some people that just, their kid died from fentanyl and they they just can't do it. Right. So then I suggest finding another way to get back. Working with the homeless, a food, food shelter, food bank, um, working with babies in hospitals, um, at kennels for dogs, a fine... You got to find some way to get back because it literally can can really help you. You got to find a way to get back. Absolutely. That's my I, I, I advocate the same thing, you know, yeah. and also, too, um, I I've built um, Mary Mac journals and these journals are to help people, especially in gratitude. OK, so people need to feel grateful for even the smallest thing that happened today, because if you focus on what you've lost instead of what you have gained today, you know, it changes your attitude. Yeah. And grief is debilitating. We all know that. Without a doubt. So I don't know. I just encourage people to find a way to get back. Yeah, because it it makes you feel better. Yeah, you know, you're helping somebody else, or and you're helping. You're just helping. Like it could be with animals. Yeah, you know, or anything that you you like. Find a way to get back. It literally, I think it'll save your life. 
Like when I started my group, that saved my life. You know, and I get a lot of good feedback. So I know I'm doing something right. Absolutely. So. So will you tell us how you came to develop the rally that's coming up on September 23rd? Yeah, well, I, um, my first rally was in front of the Chinese embassy in Washington, D.C., and that's kind of how I created my group because I knew I was going to rally in Washington, D.C., and I'm like, well, I got to come up with a name, and that's when, you know, I'm praying, asking God to... You know, I was just praying, praying, God, show me. And things were just coming to me. And um, so, you know, Lost Voices of Fentanyl, my logo with the hummingbird, the days of crying behind closed doors are over. Everything was just falling into place. Had my first rally. And like I said, I started the group really for that rally to see who was going to come to the rally in front of the Chinese embassy. Um. And then when that rally was over with, you know, the group kind of just started, you know, it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger every day. So I'm like, well, I'm not just going to get rid of my group because the rally's over. No. And, you know, I knew I was going to go and rally every year. Like, I'm going to go back every year. So that's kind of how it came about. But it's grown into obviously more than just the rally. Like, you know, there's so much support, even though I say we're not a grief group, which we're not. We're an action awareness group. But we, the majority of us in the group are grieving and we all support one another. So, but that's kind of how that came about. It's going to be amazing because as more people learn about it, you know, it just grows. And I think you said last year it was like 800 that you knew of. Um, yeah, I don't know how many came last year. Anywhere between like, I don't know, five, six hundred. I'm not really sure, but this year I'm going to get a head count. So <laughs> we'll have a registration table at the event so I can kind of get an idea. Because once you get a certain amount of people, everything about your permit changes. And when I get the permit every year, they're like, how many people? I have no idea. But once you hit a certain limit, then that's when, you know, I got to do a bunch more things, things that I'm not doing currently for my rally. But mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, hopefully I'll reach 2000 people. Because if you think about it, it's really a drop in a bucket. Compared to the death toll. Excuse Bless me. you. Thank you. Bless you. So, you know, I, I'm grateful for every family, every mom, every dad, aunt, uncle, every grandparent that shows up because really we're the ones going to make the change. Us families, the government, nothing's going to change. We're the ones going to change it. And it's by pressure, pressure, pressure. Absolutely. And eventually we'll get there. God help us. I don't know how long it's going to take. But. People just need to step up and come out and support. And you don't have to have a dead family member to support. Like, good Lord, we're fighting for the living to continue to live. Right. Like, you know, nothing is safe. You know, everybody is in danger. And wait, I have a speaker coming. 
Her daughter's dead because her daughter drank a bottle of water. Water. A bottle of water. So, yeah. This is not like the crisis, the heroin crisis or the opioid crisis. This is different. This is different. This is instant death. So, and so we have to treat it differently. You know, they're poisoning overdose. That's another thing. We focus on poisoning. Overdose means there's a safe dose to take. You take too much of that safe dose and it causes death or harm. Well, when someone disguises a harmful substance and something for someone to consume without their knowledge, that's the very definition of a poisoning. So don't say my kid overdosed. And honestly, I always go a step further. I don't call heroin an overdose. I call that a, I call all drug deaths a poisoning. Unless it's your prescription, it says one pill every eight hours and you take 20. Okay, that's your typical overdose. Or you're mixing this over-the-counter medication with this over-the-counter and this over-the-counter and this prescription, and they're not supposed to be combined and you die. That's an overdose. What is the safe dose of heroin? What is the safe dose of heroin or crack or MDMA or meth? Or cocaine. There's no safe dose of illicit drugs. None. And my, they're all a drug-induced homicide. Right. And, you know, we support Lost Voices of Fentanyl. We 100% support Drug-Induced Homicide Foundation. I think their little slogan is, why are drug dealers getting away with murder? I don't know. I ask the same thing. Why? Why are, are, why are the kids six feet underground the ones always blamed? Mm -hmm. Oh, because they were an addict. Oh, because they tried a drug. I don't care. Oh, they made a choice. So does every drug dealer. Every drug dealer walking the street is making a choice to deal drugs. Yes. And the last I checked, I thought it was illegal to deal illicit drugs, but they get away with it. You know, we don't have drug-induced homicide law in the books in Maryland, but hopefully one day. But a lot of states do. And a lot of the states that have it, they don't even enforce the law. Yeah, I was going to say that even though you might have it, is it being, you know, is it being enforced? Not much. I don't hear a lot of parents getting any justice. You know? I, and like I said, fentanyl is a poisoning. But if anyone ever listens to me, I believe all drug deaths illicit drug deaths that's a poison to your body there's no safe dose of heroin so i think since the beginning of time society has just screwed that one up as a whole they should have been called drug poisonings way back when and honestly this past january i was messing around on google and the cdc came out with an article in 2006 saying all drug deaths are a poison to your body. And I'm like, well, ain't that something? Because we get so much grief for saying fentanyl poisoning. But here the CDC back in 2006 were saying all drug deaths is a poison to your body. Yeah, and I have that article. It's pinned to the top of my group under featured post. If you swipe far enough, you'll find that article. Wow. So why we get so much grief for saying fentanyl poisoning like, I don't get it. 
Because, well, it is a poisoning. I know what my son bought, but that's not what killed him. So and, he that, was and that's the problem. It's like these counterfeit pills and this counterfeit um, powders that are being laced into um, joints, even joints and, and cocaine and, cocaine and, and all other drugs and, you know, anything that's a pill form, you don't know if it's going to be complete Every fentanyl or just some, but either you way, no yeah, no you clue. can die. There might there might be a fake pill with no fentanyl in it at all. And then you can have another fake pill with enough fentanyl to kill 20 people. You have no idea what you're getting. And like, you know, Ray Lewis, he was, um, you know, Ray Lewis, Baltimore Ravens. Yes. He just lost his son in Florida not long ago. He was a football player following after his dad, playing football in Florida. Well, I knew the day that article came out. Because it was a drug related. I said, I, I know it was fentanyl. And then it finally came out the other week. It was fentanyl, meth, and cocaine. So they're trying to make it look like Ray Lewis's son was some, had some drug dependency problem. Right. That wasn't the problem. I guarantee it. He was a football player. He was not on meth. He's not hooked on fentanyl. He's playing football. So I already know what he did. He went out and got a little cocaine because let's get real. It's a glorified party drug. Right. You know how many people? I mean, good Lord. I was just watching an HBO series the other day and they're glorifying cocaine. And this thing was just filmed a year and a half ago. And I'm thinking, why is Hollywood still glorifying snorting cocaine? Yep. Like people are dying. So I guarantee his son in Florida went out and got some cocaine that had meth and fentanyl in it. He was not abusing drugs, okay? But they're made in that article I read, it's like they're making him look they're making him look like he was suffering with a substance use disorder. And he wasn't. So crock of crap. I mean. Yes, there's plenty of people suffering with an SUD. My son had one. But Ray Lewis's son was not suffering with an SUD. I mean, we just lost a Ravens player last year in Baltimore City. Snorted a line of cocaine. Dropped dead. People go out and party. Let's just get real. I know people. Oh, it's new. Even I know people. It's New Year's. It's your birthday. It's this event. Oh, let's go out and get cocaine. Because guess what? Cocaine never killed anybody. Let's get real. Yeah. Okay. Snorting a little cocaine never killed anybody. And now they're dropping like flies from it. All them mass overdoses you hear about. Almost every time it's a bunch of people snorting coke. I'm not saying, oh, it's good to do drugs. I'm not condoning illicit drug use but but the reality is people do go out and occasionally use drugs so it's not just substance use disorder community it's experimental and occasional people there are plenty of people that occasionally use drugs plenty i did it for 18 years of my life I was never an everyday drug user. 
But I'll tell you what, I got a babysitter on the weekend. I was out partying, doing coke. I am not dead. I'm not justifying it was a bad decision. I should have never done the things I did, but I did. But I'm here to tell my story because fentanyl wasn't in the drug supply then. If it was, I'd be dead. This just, it's just really sad. You know, some people say, well, I'm condoning drug use. I'm not condoning drug use. No. What I'm saying is people should be able to recover if they are suffering with an SUD. And experimental and occasional users never died in the past. And neither did babies. That really is. This is I, you know, I've heard I've heard stories. I've read stories about little ones who, you know, go over to their father's place from the mother brings them over for a visit. And the next thing you know, she didn't know they were um, dealing and there's, you know, powder on the table and the little one swipes, you know, their hand over it. And the next thing you know, they're dead. Yeah. And. I have two moms from Kentucky. Like I was telling you earlier, one of the moms is actually going to be speaking, but there's another mom from Kentucky that just buried her toddler. I think she was like 16 months old. Oh my God. It's heartbreaking. Little baby Cameron. She's beautiful little girl. That's no longer here. And it's exactly what you said. She went and she was with dad. And the same with the other mom. She went, and she was at dad's. Now, I don't, I'm not telling her story. It was someone living in dad's house, but still. And it's like, and hello, moms are not innocent either. There's plenty of mothers that abuse drugs. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, they get that buzz, they pass out and their toddlers are crawling around. Or even if they're not passed out, you know, the toddlers are crawling around and Unfortunately, how are they coming into contact with it? Because people leave stuff out. Scary. Very scary. It's, it's very scary times. Like, I have grandchildren. My grandson's 10. I, I was five when Austin died. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. I... Didn't even imagine it would still be like this. Actually, way worse now. It boggles my mind. And I'm like, oh, my God. Am I going to have to worry about? Yeah, it looks like I am. You know, the age, the age just gets younger and younger. And, you know, when you think about trying to teach a grade school child, you know, about all of this, it, it steals their innocence. That's what bothers me the most. You know, it's the same thing as, you know, they've got bra commercials on at three in the afternoon, you know, that kind of stuff, all of this steals a child's innocence. But and they have to know, they have to be warned. Absolutely. But, 
there's but at a the way same to time it. they have to i agree with that completely but i'm just thinking when we were like five years old or we were like eight I years old hear anything about that that was like not on the radar at all i know it's just different times though so yeah. you know it's not like it was 20 30 40 50 years ago scary honestly it's very yeah. scary totally i agree totally i agree it's uh, i just hope that these politicians they stand up and do what has to be done because whatever their um whatever benefit they're gaining from all of this by not doing their job by not passing the right law, whatever that is, you know, there's that saying, what goes around comes around. And I wouldn't want to be them. Corruption. I don't know. You know, I don't even know what to say half the time because I'm just, it's just sad and disgusting. And I know there's Things that they can do, like labeling the cartel as a foreign terrorist organization, fentanyl, weapon of mass destruction, that gives them a bunch more things in their toolbox that they don't have now that they could do to go after them. I mean, good Lord. I think Mexico would like to have their country back. It's a narco state. Yeah. yeah. That's that. How many people are they just going to be? And it's not just drugs. And it's not just fentanyl. It's the sex trafficking. Yeah. It's And it's a lot of other things. I mean, good Lord, they own the avocados. Every time I buy an avocado, I feel guilty. <laughs> I do. I mean, th their hands are in everything that makes money. And I don't even know why any Americans, especially if you have a dead kid to fentanyl, why are you going to Mexico? Cancun is built on blood money. Yes. <laughs> The cartels have built everything good in Mexico. That is 100% built on cartel money. That's who builds up Mexico. The cartels. I mean, I guess if I lived there, I'd probably cave too. Because if you don't cave, they'll kill you. Yes. They take your sons. They recruit them. They come into your town, your village. And they take your eight-year-old sons. And they put AKs in their hands. And they train them to be cartels and to be vicious and brutal and ruthless. It's heartbreaking. But I still want them stopped and I still want them shut down. So imagine the the, the families that fight back. Well, guess what? <laughs> Google how many people are missing in Mexico. They're not missing. They're dead. Yep. They're butchered. They're mutilated. Their bodies are destroyed. You're not going to find them. These are ruthless, evil, sick, demented people. And I think our government should destroy them. I think Mexico, at the end of the day, give them their country back. They're not going to get it back on their own. Their government's corrupt. Yes. <laughs> it's a joke. So, yeah, everything in Mexico is built on blood money. sad it's sick and disgusting mm -hmm. and i i personally wouldn't feel safe going to mexico anymore well i know there was um an article that came out 
a whole family went over there and a kid died. They went to a pharmacy. You can't trust the pharmacies in Mexico. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and none, of, none of that stuff is real anymore. Yep. So, I mean, I watched a story like three years ago. It was a long time ago. And they were going into pharmacies over in Mexico, somebody undercover, and they were testing like the Pepsi, Pepto-Bismols that are in the aluminum foil and you push them through. Yeah. Just like everything over the counter like that. Like half of the medication wasn't even real. Now, it wasn't fentanyl in it, but it wasn't real. But now you can go into pharmacies in Mexico and buy a Percocet. Well, they're not real. The cartels are... So, yeah, they're just, hmm. yeah, it's disturbing. So, yeah, I would suggest, why are we going to spend money in Mexico? Mm -hmm. I'll never spend a dime in that country yep. or China. Mm -hmm. They're killing us. And they're getting away with it. Why our government doesn't do squat. And that's why we go in front of the White House. Because they ain't doing crap. They're pretending they are now. Like, there's some things, and I support, that the Biden administration's been doing recently. And you can, I'm not going to talk about it, but anybody can research what they're doing currently. And, uh, and that's great. But ask yourself, why didn't he do this day one when he was president? I find it funny that now elections are coming up, and now they're going to focus a little bit on federal. Of course, they always do before an election. Like, do they think we're stupid? But there are a lot of people who are. They believe this stuff. It's a joke. Guess what? What they're doing now, they should have been doing from day one, and it's still not enough. It's not enough. I see the death toll rising. I see my group rising. I see every day another mom and dad or grandparent joining our sister or brother. I'm joining my group. My sister's dead. I'm joining my group. My brother's dead. My grandson, my granddaughter. This is every day. Sickening. You know, we want the border secure. Secure yep. the border. Let CBP actually be able to do their job instead of being stuck in paperwork. Yeah. I don't know, Mary. I don't know. All we can do is keep moving forward and doing the very best we can to bring awareness. And that's what we do. I mean, and, that's what all of us moms. And it's important to, it's definitely important to put pressure on all the politicians serious pressure, you know, whole bunch of people gets together and they all go up to their office unannounced to talk to somebody, you know? Yeah. And that's another thing. It's like nine to five. What if you work every day? I work every day. <laughs> By the time oh, I, I know. Work, and no, no one stays in their office till five. They're all out of there probably way before three. Mm -hmm. I can't, I had to miss days off of work just to knock on some doors. Yeah. That got me absolutely nowhere in my county, Baltimore County, Maryland. Got me nowhere. As soon as I said fentanyl, <laughs> I'm lying. It wasn't on their radar. No, it's not. You know it's what? They, not an issue told, for them. I was told, keep raising awareness. Thanks. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for blowing smoke up my ass. 
disgusting. I agree. But, you know, we just keep pushing forward and we just keep doing what we can do. And, and helping people who come after us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sitting with them when they're in the hole. Yeah. Yeah. I was in that hole. It's not a pretty place to be. No, it's scary and it's like you can't breathe. Can't no. breathe. Yeah. It makes me sad. And in the beginning, especially, it's like so much shock, you know, and I was talking to Amy Neville and she said after Alex um, was killed, she came home from viewing him and identifying him at the hospital. And she literally sat at her kitchen table for 12 hours without moving. She was just so zoned out. And I can definitely appreciate that. I mean, there, there were times where you just, you have no consciousness of what's going on around you. I don't even know how I got through that first week. And honestly, I, my son died on a Saturday. His funeral was the following Saturday and Monday I was at work. Wow. Like, I still had a kid, kid at home. He was, you know, 14. Like when his brother died, I still had to pay my mortgage. I had to go to work. I'm self-employed. I don't get no paid leave, no bereavement time. I got nothing. So I don't even know how I did it. All I said, I got lucky. I literally think I own a cleaning business. I literally think God had me in this position. Like, cause he knew my son was going to die and any other job. I don't know how these moms go back to work that have jobs, they're working in a lawyer's office or, or in a hospital or whatever it is. I work alone by myself and my clients are like family to me. Right. So, and a lot of the time they're not even home. So I'm just alone in that house. Oh, you should have seen me. I'm screaming. I'm crying. I, I don't, I, the first year I didn't get no more than three hours of sleep. I don't know how I was living when I think back and look at it now, well, obviously, I know it must have been God, but I have no idea how I survived. I, it's like a pure miracle because my son died and no one understood that grief. Not even the other mom that lost her kid because it was impossible that anyone could love their son like I love my son. Sure. Now I know... You know, that's how it was for me in the beginning. Now I know every one of these moms and dads, they understand that. But it was just like, I couldn't even see it. Like, oh, they lost a kid. How do they understand me? No, no one could, could no one can feel like this. It's horrific. And now I know every single one of us, they all felt that. It's, I don't want anybody to feel that. Like, I literally would pray to God for me to die. 
Yeah. I would pray for God to kill. I remember my first birthday without my son. So he died in January. My birthday was June. And I'm like, I can't be here. I just got to get the hell out of here. So I had family in Arizona. So we, me and my mom and my son flew to Arizona. And I remember that whole flight. I was just praying, God, let this plane crash. Just kill me. Kill me. Kill me with my son. Now I do have a daughter, but she has kids. So I could, I never prayed for her to die because <laughs> she had children, but I would pray for God to kill me and my son together. I, I know that sounds awful. I don't know how to explain it. It was my grief. And all I know is I just didn't, I wanted my Aiden to go with me too. I, it's crazy. I mean, parents commit suicide over this. Oh yeah. That's a child. Like, unless you've experienced it, you just can don't even pretend when your parents died, you understand what it's like for child grief. Cause you don't No, No, it you doesn't don't. compare. This is unnatural. Like, I had my son cremated because guess what? I never asked him, do you want to be buried or cremated? It was never a conversation I ever had with my son. Now I know I told him when I die, cremate me. So that's how I ended up coming to that decision because I wanted to be cremated. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to cremate my son. But I mean, these decisions, you know, I, I remember going to pick out that casket. Because I had to have a casket for his viewing. I'll never forget walking down in that room. Ever. I'll never forget any of it. I'm going on five years this January. That day is yesterday to me. I mean, I guess it's like I, I feel like you know, there are a lot of parents, they see these signs and feathers or dimes or the clouds, whatever. I just, I just feel like I never see any of that. Like I don't, for, and that's me. If it works mm -hmm. for them, that's great. I love it. And that's great. But for me, people say you're closed off the signs, but then in all reality, when I look at it, I must be feeling them every day because look at what I do every day in my life. So he's got to be near and with me. I don't know, but sometimes it just gets hard. Like, I don't know. And then I don't cry every day. And I was talking to a mom the other day, like I'm mad at myself because I don't cry every day. Oh, don't like, do I that to yourself because every... that's a, that's a horrible thing to think that you need to cry to be able to express what's going on with you. You do it in other ways. But you see what I'm saying though? This is how grief brain works. Yes. They say it's a bull crap. Your brain <laughs> on grief, take a piece of paper, scribble all over that paper. That's your brain on grief. And there's no stop and end point. Yes. It doesn't stop and end. It's just, it is. You're going to live and, the rest of your life and they're not here. Right. And you're always going to feel that pain in your heart. I, I don't care what anybody says, but the thing that always used to, I mean, it's a lot better now, but you know, when you first deal with it, the roller coaster that you go on That's is horrible. so steep. It's like this, right? It's horrible. And then at, you know, you could be okay in, you know, for five minutes and you're so grateful for it 
for a little bit of calm and then something happens and it spikes again, you know, and And the other other thing too is, is when you, you know, when you get to a place years later, when it starts to feel a little bit more, you know, like that's me, you know what I mean? I know even though when it's coming. Yeah. And even though it's, you know, it's a little bit smoother at times, there are still things that can, you know, trigger it to be spiky again. You know, like for instance, I remember uh, at Christmas time, the first couple of years, you'd go try to go Christmas shopping. You go by the little girls section, you know, and it's like, okay, get me out of here. You know, because you know immediately you're never buying anything from that section again. That kind of thing just destroys you. It seems like such a little thing, but it's not. No, and and like you said, you never know what it's going to, it could be walking down the grocery aisle. Exactly. You see their favorite cereal. Yeah, certain things I only bought when Austin was alive. Right. Because that's what he liked. Right. It's just awful. There are so many little ups and downs like that, that you can never expect. They just happen. It's just sad. It is. April, you've been amazing. Well, I thank, thank you. I thank you so much for sharing all that you have, um, not only about Austin and your grief, but about all your advocacy work and all the people that you've been helping for all these years. I don't know what else to do. I know. And, you know, I tell people, you know, we all can't do everything, but we all can do something and no something is too small and all those somethings add up. So oh, we're yes, all they doing a do. little something. If we're all doing a little something, like I'm not going into schools, but plenty of parents are. Yep. You know, there's, you know, I do certain things, other parents do certain things, but if we all can just do something, right? no matter what it is, and that's what I say, no something is too small. And like I say, if all you can do is put on a fentanyl t-shirt and walk out the door, start with that. Because it will spark a conversation. Absolutely. So. Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing so much of your life and your pain. And I'm sure this is going to make such a difference in very many lives when they listen in to us. I hope so. I think so. And the one thing about being on the internet is it's evergreen. And so our conversation will be here in perpetuity. And I love that part. I really love that part. It's not like a four minute snippet on a local news station. Yeah. (laughs) It's something of value that people who come after us will really, you know, value. And I want to remind everybody about the rally. It's going to be in D.C., Um, on the weekend of September 23rd, that Saturday is the rally itself. And you can go to lost voices of fentanyl L 
vof.org and learn more about it. You can also learn more on uh, April's Facebook group with the same name, correct? Mm-hmm. There. And um, and then Virginia he, Krieger's on Twitter. Okay. Lost Voice of Fentanyl on Twitter. Excellent. And so if you have the time to support all the parents and family members of those who have died from fentanyl poisoning. It would be just wonderful if you could go to that rally and show your support, listen to all the speakers um, that are going to be there and walk over, march over to the White House, because the more numbers we have, the better it will be. People really start to take this seriously. They need to. And if Nothing else. If the politicians are not getting involved, then the families need to teach their children what this is all about. They need to learn younger and younger, unfortunately, how this can kill them, how we can ruin their entire family because they tried this only once. So I ask you to please subscribe here and share this video, share this podcast, the audio version as well with all those, you know, because people need to know what this is about and like this subscribe rate review and definitely comment and let us know what's been going on in your world. If you've been affected by fentanyl, we want to know that. And go to April's Facebook group and become a member. You don't have to be a bereaved parent, as she mentioned. You can just go on and be a member so that you can learn more. So thank you again, April. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So grateful. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.